Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we come before you this morning, and I pray, Lord, that you would anoint your word, that I could step out of the way, and that you would use me as your vessel of the Holy Spirit to speak truth and to speak your, what you want your congregation to hear this morning, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And for you, Lord, be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, to be thankful is a great thing. I can think of no better way that if you're going through a funk than to just enumerate the things that you can be thankful for amen. from God. And we have much to be thankful for, even in the midst of the COVID lockdown. Um, God is still on the throne. He's still in control. His plan is still moving forward. And there's a lot of things that God is doing right now. And um, we have to keep our eyes on that. Um, yesterday, I was working on my truck. And, and in fact, not only yesterday, I was wor- I've been working on my truck. I've been you know, doing some jobs. And my truck's been overheating on me. So if you've seen me pulled over on the side of the road with my hood up, what it is, my radiator was not working properly. So every so often I have to stop on the side of the road and I carry a few gallons of water and just pour some water on my radiator and the temperature drops down and then I can continue on my way. I tried to stay on the back road so it wouldn't be so obvious that you would see me broke down on the side of the road. <laughs> I finally took it in to get it flushed out at the Maui oil change and it didn't do anything. Same place, right around Paia. You see the, the, the um, temperature gauge starts to spike. It's like, okay, so I, the radiator flush apparently didn't work. And so I went in and I was gonna just about ready to buy a radiator, but the guy says, well, maybe it's your temperature gauge. And I go, yeah, maybe it is the, the thing, the gauge on the engine. And so I, I, was, I bought that because I just changed this radiator not too recent, not too long ago. And um, so I, I thought, let me take this thing home and see if I can put it. That would be the easy fix because I just had the radiator flush. I don't want to drain all the new coolant out of there if I don't have to. So let me change this thing. And I got home and I went on the internet on YouTube, which I always defer to. And this thing is so deep in the engine. I go, there's no way I can even get to this. Scrap that idea. And so I got to go back down and pick up another radiator or pick up a radiator. And so I go over there, and the last time I changed the radiator, I just went and told, it's a, it's a 2001 Toyota Tacoma, it's four-wheel drive, it's got automatic transmission, it's four-wheel drive, here's your radiator, went home, put it in, no problem. This time I go, they said, I gave them all the same information, how many inches is, I don't know how many inches the thing is. Just, I look at this one, oh, that looks close, man. So I take it home, I drive all the way back to Haiku, it's the wrong size. Got to drive all the way down to Kaului, drop it off, and then go to the place where I bought this one. And they said, well, let me check. Oh, the, you, I got the old radiator in there. Go take a measurement of it. They go, oh, we don't have that radiator. I'm like, oh. Go to the next store. They finally have my radiator. Bring it home. Put it on. And there's bolts that are not quite lined up. It was probably made in China or something. So I had to <laughs> drill out this thing so that the bolt would line up. I got three of my bolts in there. One of I, I couldn't drill out. No way I couldn't get to it. So I got three bolts holding my radiator. Finally got it all done. And after I had it all done, the first thing that I said was, Thank you, Lord. And I thought about that. 
I think I've improved over time <laughs> because I don't think I would have said that in the past after going through all that mess and going through all that trouble. But I was just like, thank you, Lord, that you helped me get this done despite all the trouble that we went through. You know, the, the, to be thankful to God for the things that he helps us with. Even to be, I was listening to a sermon this morning about that, Charles Stanley, and it says, can you thank God in the midst of your trial? Can you thank God in the midst of your pain? Can you thank God in the midst when things don't turn out the way that you want? Can you still thank Him at that time? That's maturity when we can do that. That's, that's, you're, you're, you're gaining ground if you can do that. But it's a goal that we should attain to. Maybe we haven't reached there yet, but it's something that we should try and attain to because there's something with that that comes with that. It seems almost ridiculous. How can I thank God for going through this? How can I thank God about driving back to the store three times for my radiator when it should be a simple fix? Because God is testing us and He's trying us and He's, he's stretching us and He's, he's, he's uh, forming us into the person of character that He desires for eternity. And he's wanting to see, can we take him at his word, even despite our circumstances, says, just thank me. Give me praise. Can we do that? That's hard, but it's something that God wants us to attain to. Amen? And I'll tell you the reason why. The attitude is good. We can stay in a place of uh, peacefulness amid turmoil if we can attain to that thankfulness. Right? That's actually the goal right there. And I was thinking, uh, I, heard him, I heard Charles Stanley say something. I go, man, that's, that is true. It's like, um, why do we want more money? Why do we want a good job where we can make more money? So that we can have a, a comfort bubble around us so that our attitude is at peace. It's at rest, right? That's basically why we want money. Or if we buy something, we have feelings of like, wow, look at what I bought. And this is stuff, this is common to all of us. This is the things that we want to attain. But what if God is saying, you can have those things right now with your relationship with me. That feeling of contentment, that feeling of peace, that feeling of just, I'm good. If we attain that through our relationship with the Lord and not looking for externals to make that happen. That should be our goal right there. That should be our goal. That's where this discipline of thanking God despite the circumstances comes from. That's where, it, that's where it's gained. It doesn't make sense. Most of the things in God's kingdom are, they're counterintuitive. You know, it's like um, that movie Cars, where um, uh, McQueen, Lightning McQueen goes to that old town and he gets, he gets hooked up there and it's like the backwater on Route 66. And, and then he, who is the... Um, the radiator springs, but who was the the you? I know you know this time. <laughs> it's it's the uh, judge. What was his name? The, the not the sheriff. The, the the racer, the one who was a former racer. Hudson, the Hudson Hornet. <laughs> The Hudson Hornet, man. So he, yeah, the doctor. So he takes it. He, he's, he's kind of concealing the fact that he was a, he was a dirt track champion. You know, in Light McQueen, he's all, he's all into himself and he's all that. But he goes, let's have a race. And he's looking at this old, like, 50s car. Whatever. He's like, come on, man. I'm lightning. I'm going to blow you away. And he says, okay. So they go on the dirt track and they're heading into that first turn. And you got to turn, you got to turn left. And as he turns left, Lightning McQueen, because he's used to driving on a, on a, um, what do you call a, a paved track and, and bank curves he, he just turns into it and he spins off and he goes out and then Hudson Hornet comes into that same turn and in order to make that turn on a dirt track you gotta, you gotta steer uh, right to go left 
You know what I'm talking about? When, you, when, you, when your back starts uh, fishtailing like that, you got to counter steer like that in order to keep your line. Drifting. Drifting. There you go. That's how, that's how the kingdom is. It's counterintuitive. The brain says, I gotta, if I'm going to go left, i got to turn left. In the kingdom it says, if you want to go left, you got to turn right. Right? I mean, there's things like there's a principle in the kingdom, just like what we did here with, with tithes and offering. I need more money. I need more money. I got to I got to make every penny count. The Lord says, "Give me what you have, and I'll bless what you give." And the brain says that don't make sense. But we're talking about the kingdom. We're not talking about common sense here. Amen. There's a difference between knowledge and truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's a big difference between knowledge and truth. You know, you ever look at that, um, I'm looking at, you know, YouTube clips about this current election and the way it's turned, and there's a, a, a little disclaimer, if you guys have noticed on there from AP, I want to punch somebody every time I see that. It says through robust uh, uh, checks and balances, AP has says that Joe Biden is our current president. And I'm like, I want to punch my phone. I'm like, robust, checked and balanced. Are you serious? And I have to make a comment on every time I see that because I'm so angry about that. Are you think I'm stupid? You think we're that stupid? Robust checks and balances? Just because you guys said it, don't make it true. Right? This is true. The Lord is true. Don't believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you hear. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except for me. In fact, this hallmark of the age that we're living in, Jesus said in Matthew 24, um, Mark 13, and Luke 21, as well as in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, where he talks about the Antichrist, chapter 12, the thing that would distinguish this age that we're living in right now is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There's a lot of deception out there right now. And how do we know whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's true, whether it's false, whether it's misleading, whether this is going to have a happy ending or what. How do we know? We have to compare it with the scriptures. We have to know the scriptures in order to even have the discernment to discern that that's, that's lies. That is a lie. Can you imagine you look out there and you hear people and they're spouting the same thing just because they heard it on CNN as if that was truth. It blows my mind. And people um, saying, oh, um, well, we got to get used to the fact that Biden is going to be the president because AP said so, and CNN is saying that, and even Fox capitulated, and they're saying that. And I'm saying, no, because it ain't over until it's over. That's right. And in my mind, you don't win an election by stealing it. You will never be president. I don't care what. You do not win the presidency by stealing it, by lying, by corruption. You are not the president. This thing has major implication for the, for the future of our nation. Whether the Lord decides to tarry or not. But these are the things of which we're living right now. And we have to address this with the word of God and with faith. Or else you could be very discouraged right now. I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. I believe that God is still on the throne. This election is something that God is working out. I don't know all what he has in mind, but I know that he's working something out together for good. Amen. I want to uh, turn to the book of Romans, and it's talking about sort of some of these topics. Uh, first chapter in Romans. And... Um, 
The thing that we must be the most thankful about is what? Salvation. Salvation. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this is as bad as it gets for us right now. It's only better from here. It's better from here. When we step into eternity, this was the worst day of our life here on this earth right now. This is it. If you don't know Jesus, this is as good as it gets right now. It's only going to get worse from here. So that's very something to be very, very thankful for, that you've invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, that he covered us by his precious blood, that his sins were put on the cross, and that we're, uh, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And if God says that, and we agree with that in faith, that, that is so. And it, it doesn't even, we don't even have to agree with that, that if God said it, that's the way it is. Amen? It's like uh, that saying says, God said it, I agree with it, amen, or that makes it, no, if God said it, that is the truth. Bottom line, right? And so I'm looking at uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. So we, you know, well, that's our job is to take this word and implant it in our heart and live by it despite how we feel about circumstances. Is to take this word by faith. And that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. That's where it's like a fruit that's maturing. It takes a, it takes a while, but we'll get it as we put it into practice and we, we choose like what Pastor Tosh was saying, you know, I choose to be uh, obstinate or disobedient, or we, we say, Lord, I'm wrong. And we make that correction, and we see the fruit of that decision. We'll see something happen. Amen? Amen. It says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So none of this stuff uh, is missed by God. It says... And unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You think God's happy about what's going on right now in this nation? He's not happy. I can't stand when I hear pastors say, Oh well, the, the, the politics uh, has been cast and I guess that's what we need to do. We just need to say, No. That's wrong, man. I don't care what. That is wrong. When you steal an election, it's wrong. And God's not happy about that. He says that... Um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. So anybody says, well, I don't know if I believe in God. I'm an atheist. They're a liar. They're suppressing the truth that God has planted in each one of our hearts. We all know that there's a God. You know, you talk to people about the Lord and they say, well, I believe in God. Well, whoop-de-doo, welcome to the club. We all believe in God. If you say you don't believe in God, you're suppressing the truth because God has planted that truth within your heart. Everybody knows there's a God. But what about God? What specifically about God? Amen? Because although, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. It's good to be thankful for God. 
Thankfulness is a very big key, as we're going to see as we go down through here. Thankfulness is a very, very big key. You know, in the United States, we have so much to be thankful for. That, you know, I've been to Africa, and I was listening to that sermon. He says, what happens if we don't have a house? What happens if we don't have clear water to drink? What happens if we don't have a hot shower? What happens if, what happens, what happens? And we go down the list, and we think, are we still thankful to God? Can we still be thankful for God? You know, there's people who live in that condition continually. When I went to Africa and I looked at the condition of these people, what they live, and I was just like, wow. And the most mind-blowing thing was how happy they are in that condition. It was mind-blowing. You know, you, you got rubbish all over the place. You got this polluted-looking water going down the side of the road. You know, it's just like, John, you've been there, you know. Uh, and, and, and yet the people seem really happy over there, you know. We, as Americans, we have so much, and we're always grasping for more. Because where does our happiness emanate from? Is it our stuff, or is it really from our God, our relationship with Him? It should be based upon our relationship. If we're good with God, then we have peace with God, then we have peace in our heart. Amen? Amen? God extends that peace to us. He says, I'm no longer at, I'm, I was never at war with you. You were at war with me. But because I sent my son, we now have peace. And we can have peace in our heart now. Isn't that such a good feeling? I remember I used to call that the Sunday blues. When I was not walking with the Lord. Come around Sunday afternoon. I know there's something missing. I'm not serving the Lord. I'm not doing what I'm saying. And it was just such depression come on me. You didn't go to church today. You didn't honor the Lord. Your life is really meaningless at this point. You're not doing what you know you're supposed to do. And it would just have this real blue mood. Ah, oh, it's another week of work, man. I know every leave I'm going to have to rake. I know every weed eating I'm going to have. I know, I know the whole routine. And my life is meaningless right now. But when you serve the Lord, all of a sudden this, this spirit comes in you and you're like, whoa. And you, and you just, that, that feeling goes. That my life has meaning. That I'm chosen of God. That I have a destiny. That I'm going to be seated in heaven. That I'm moving towards glory. Every day is one step closer to God's glory. Amen? Amen. Verse 21 again. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You know these kind of people? They have college educations, but they got no common sense. They're crazy. It seems like the more educated, the more stupid things come out of their mouth. It's like, what? Come on, man. Anybody could see that this is, this is right and this is wrong. And they, they just they couch it in all these terms and they, they put it in all this fancy language. But at the end of the day, that's wrong. I'm sorry. That's not true. That's wrong. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? And it seems like as you process, not everybody, but it seems like as you process through the college system, that was part of what they intended to do. To turn you around and, and turn you around with all this craziness. I would say it starts off with the fact of evolution. That God says in the book of Genesis, I created the earth. They fill their head with this. Once you get into college, no, um, the Bible account is not true. Evolution is true. And yet evolution is so ridiculously stupid. Any real scientist realizes we can't support this anymore. But hey, we wrote a lot of books and we graduated a lot of people from college. So we better hold the line. 
Even though real science says this is not possible, this is too complex, man could not have evolved from a single-celled amoeba or whatever that was that they said. It just doesn't work. But yet we have to hold the line because this is our truth and we'll defend it tooth and nail. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, they changed the glory of an incorruptible God to the image made like corruptible man, birds, uh, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. So this, this suppression of the truth leads to an unthankful heart, which leads to the lust of the flesh, which leads to a blindness and a corruption that comes in. It's a, it's a regression. It's, it's, you started off here, and then we weren't thankful, and then we didn't acknowledge God, and then we went after the things that gratify myself, and so it's just it's going do, low, low, lower, lower, right? Do you see that? Who exchanged the truth, verse 25, for the lie. And worshiped and serves the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, I remember going to a Bible study years ago and the Bible study teacher said, I have learned that it's easier to satisfy God than it is myself. And I challenged that statement at first. And I go, no, 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 no. I think I know what I want. I think I know how to satisfy myself. But he was right. I was wrong. When you go after self-satisfaction and self-gratification, it's like a chasm that'll never be filled. But when you go after pleasing God, there's a sense of goodness that comes upon you, a sense of rightness that comes upon you, a sense of, man, I'm at peace, that comes upon you. The more you pursue that, the greater that peace, the greater that contentment. The Word of God says, godliness with contentment is great gain. That should be our goal. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Not grasping, I need this, I want this, I'm going after all these things, but it's just, I'm good. I'm good with my relationship with God. I know He's good with me. I, if I screw up, I confess, I know I'm forgiven. I'm a son, I'm seated in heavenly places. This should be our aim as a believer. Amen? Does it make sense? But if we pull away from that, in verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the nature and the use that is against nature, likewise also leaving the natural use. Women, um, women burning their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty for their error which was due. It's sad to see this age right now, this condition of our nation, where corruption and perversion is promoted as a civil right. That's a sad state of affairs. And it's not to pick on homosexuality. Believe me, there's, an, there's enough sin to go around for everybody. But this is a natural declination. It's, a, it's dropping down. And this is a result of a society that does not want to keep God in their thoughts. This is what we're seeing right now. And yet we're going to promote it like it's something good. And it's wrong. It's, it's taking a wrong heading and it's going, to, it's going to take this ship and crash it into the rocks if we pursue that. Right? Being filled with all un unrighteous. Verse 29. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Throw that on the stack. 
disobedient to parents. God takes that seriously. It's one of the commandments, right? Honor thy father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it would be well with you and you'd live long in the land. It takes it seriously. It's actually the first four commandments in the Bible having to do with God. And that one is on the fifth. So it's like five having to do with things with God. And then the rest five having to do with a relationship with man. But he, he, he bunches that honor the mother and father. Because if God is our father, we're to be honoring him. And not rebelling against his authority. That things would go well with us and we'd live long in the land. Amen? Amen. Backbiters. Verse 30. Backbiters. Uh, haters of God. Violent, proud, boasters. Inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. Undiscerning. Untrustworthy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same. But also approve those who practice them. You know, God takes that seriously. When you see uh, a gay parade and you see straight parents with their little kids over there because I want to be tolerant, God says, you're just as guilty as if you were doing that yourself. That's what this word says right here. It says, you don't, you're not doing it, but you approve those who do it. That's what this is saying right here. This is a society that because of blindness, because not, I don't want to retain God in my knowledge, God is not going to be paramount in this society, that we've degraded to the point of blindness. And it says here, this is where discernment comes from. You want discernment from God? You want to know right from wrong? You want to know truth from lies? Get into the word. Become obedient to the word. Ask for repentance. Lord, please help me. Uh, help me to walk closer to you. And your eyes of your understanding and your discernment level will increase. It says in the, word of, uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says, By reason of use, by reason of use, by putting this word into action, we're able to discern both good and evil. If we just put this Bible, when you get home on Sunday, just put it on the side. Okay, next week I'll pick it up. You're not developing discernment. They said if anybody, if somebody won't stand for something, they'll fall for anything. We must stand for the truth. What is the truth? Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. Amen? That's who we're supposed to be right now. We're supposed to be those people. That's why it makes me so angry when we see these things and people just fold. And it's like, okay, that's the way it is. That's just the way it is nowadays. And Jesus said this about, you know, we watched uh, J.D. Farage's um, message last week. And he referred to um, Jesus before Pontius Pilate in his, in his, his uh, update. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this earth, my subjects would fight. That's a real balance right there. We're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. We're supposed to uh, uphold righteousness. We're supposed to be the salt. We're supposed to be the light. But as far as, I don't know, jumping in the street and beating people down, I don't think we got the commission for that one. Right? It's a real balance in that. It says, uh, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And yet our nation was crafted with people that says, this is not right. And they stood up for a cause. And therefore we have our religious liberties that were given by God. It's really something where we need that discernment to know. 
Where is that line in the sand? Where is that place? Where you, well, we're going to come to your house and we're going we're to kick down your door and we're going to forcibly inoculate your family with a, with a uh, vaccination that we all know that will do damage to you. That's not right. That's a total violation of the sanctity of the temple of God. God forbid that that would happen. I believe that we are to pray so that those sorts of things don't progress. I also believe there's coming a time where the presence of the church and the prayers of the church are going to be taken off of this earth and these people that wanted to dwell in wickedness are going to have their chance. You didn't want the church here? You were upset about the church? Everything about the church? Is, I, I wish those Christians would just shut up and leave us alone. There's coming a time where their wish is going to be granted. It is coming. There is a time that's coming. I don't want to be here when that happens. Amen? Verse 32, it says, Who knowing the righteous judgments of God, and those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve those who practice this is the examination. You know, you, the, the, one of the major sayings out there right now is don't judge. Right? They said that's the, probably the... It used to be John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. Now the, the most popular quoted scripture in the world is don't judge lest you be judged. Right? You ever heard that? You bring the truth of the gospel to somebody and says, well, don't judge me. There is parameters on this. Right? It says this in, in uh, chapter 2. It says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you judge, uh, practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. So the judgment being made here, if you're telling somebody, don't be an adulterer, and you're living in adultery. If you're telling somebody, don't be a fornicator, and you're fornicating, this is where this is right here. That's, that's hypocrisy right there, right? But if you have dealt with these things in your life, it says first, if you see a, a, a speck in your brother's eye, don't say, I see the speck in your eye, and you got a log in your eye, it's for, it says first take that beam out of your eye, and then you will see clearly enough to help your brother take that speck out. And we should come on the level that says, you know what, I did the same thing. I found that the Lord was faithful. I found that the Lord was loving and He's gracious and He forgave me. And you need to repent of that because that's not a good path to be on. I was on that path. That should be the judgment right there. That should be the heart. Because none of us by our own righteousness are going to stand before the Lord and say, I made it on my own. I did it my way. Here I am, Lord. Nobody's going to make it that way. We are all recipients of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 3, it says, But who do you think you are, O man, who judge and practice such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or you des do you despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? The goodness of God leads to repentance. So that's part of that thankfulness to go back and review the file and says, Man, God, I was a sinner. If you would have swatted me down back then... I would have went straight to hell. Thank you for your forbearance on me. Thank you for your long-suffering with me. Thank you that you didn't come back when I was in that condition. That would have been a bad thing. Amen? 
that, that we can thank him for his goodness, that God's will is that all should come to repentance and none should perish, right? Verse 5, but in accordance with your hardness of your impertinent or unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up yourselves wrath for the day of wrath at the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Right now, the nations are raging. They're just like, yeah! It's like, uh, we haven't seen anything yet. Once this election uh, gets challenged, and I believe it's a right thing that it is challenged because there was so much corruption and so much stealing going on, we got to pray that this, this country would be sensible at that point. That there wouldn't be riots in the streets. Was there any, did you guys even know, I brought it up at the Bible study, did you know last week, Saturday, there was about a million people that went into Washington? D. How many people knew that last week? Yeah. A few of you. A million people went to Washington, D.C. because they were upset over this handling of this election. Did you hear about all the fires and the looting and the riots that broke out in Washington, D.C.? Because there wasn't any. <laughs> there wasn't any. These people came into town in mass and waved their signs and said their peace and left town probably cleaner than what it was when they got there. Because that's the right heart. Amen? That is the right heart. That is more in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're about truth. We're about what is right. We're what about, uh, we're not for unrighteousness. We're not for corruption. We're not for um, leading this country in the road that is going to be very bad for this country if we let, it if we let it hang there, right? It goes, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those by patient, continuing in doing good, seek for glory, honor, immortality. But those who are self-seeking, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of, of the man who does evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God, for as many have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many of his sin within the law will be judged by the law. That's basically just saying that God is not a respecter of person. Just by your confession, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but you're not in relationship with the Lord. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The Lord is looking for a people that have him as paramount. The Lord is looking for a people that says, Lord, you are my first priority. The Lord is looking for a person of integrity that what we do in the dark is the same thing we do in the light. Amen? That, that separates us from this tribulation and wrath because there is tribulation and wrath. It's like a big storm that's out there on the ocean. You can see the cloud moving in. But God says, I've made a way for my people that don't have to participate in that. It's called get in the righteousness of Christ. That is our safety. That's our ark right now. Noah constructed an ark. They've been talking about the coming of the Lord for thousands of years. Everybody talks that Jesus is coming back in their lifetime. I think we can agree that there's a lot of stuff going on that has normally not gone on in this world right now. I would say he's very close at the door. And the ark is this right here. 
The ark is thankfulness. The ark of sanctification is putting the Lord as paramount. The ark of sanctification is we uh, not going the route of the world, but says, I'm going to be counterculture. I'm going to go against this current of the world, and I'm going to serve the Lord during this time. Where Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. It was wickedness, and every intent of man was only wicked continually. Looks kind of like, a little bit like now, right now. Where they promote it, you know, we were just watching something on TV, um, and, and they show commercials now, the commercials are vile. Where they show same-sex people kissing or whatever, it's just like... Ugh. You know, just flash it in there. Get it in your face. If I show it to you enough, it'll be normal for you. It's not normal. It'll never be normal. If God said that's not normal, it's not normal. But the good thing is, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness to the uttermost. It doesn't matter what we've done. If we cry out to the Lord in repentance, there is forgiveness. As long as we're breathing, there's hope. As long as we're alive, there's forgiveness. If we seek the Lord, amen? In closing, I want to read real quick. You know, those of you who have been watching online uh, or coming to the Bible study, we're doing the, um, uh, the Chosen. And next week's one is going to be, this, this coming Wednesday is going to be the woman at the well. Very interestingly done. And uh, this is an encounter. It's an interesting encounter with truth. Um, you know, you would think a person who's sinful and has an encounter with truth is going to be a reaction there, you know. And, and go to the Gospel of John. I'm just going to read this. I'm going to close on this right here. I wanted to close on a, on a high note. I don't want to come off too heavy. But it says in, in chapter 4 of John, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples in John, that Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. You know, Samaria, the Samaritans were a despised people because when the nation was occupied, these people were basically half Jews, half Gentiles. So they were kind of like, eh, these Samaritans. You know, they, they went into pagan worship. They're like good for nothing. And so the Jews would basically go around Samaria. I'm not going to that town. Those people are unclean. And so Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, going to Sychar, which is a plot of ground uh, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about 12 o'clock. Shows the humanity of Jesus. He'd been traveling, doing ministry. He's tired. He wants, he's like, man, I'm going to sit down over here. I'm tired, and I'm thirsty. Then he goes, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to him, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food, and when the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God that who, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water which I shall give to him will never thirst. The water that I shall give will become a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst, nor come here to draw. So Jesus is speaking to her. He's bantering back and forth. And she's like, Wow, what is this living water? I want this living water. I don't have to come here and with my, with my uh, pot every day and, and, and fetch water and go back to the town. Give me this water. And it's kind of like he's speaking of spiritual things. She's sp- uh, speaking on fleshly things right here, right? It says, the woman said to him, sir, um, or, sorry, the woman answered him, I have no, sorry, verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst and come here and draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one to whom you now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So right there, he just read her mail right there, just cut to the quick, right? And so she's going to try to deflect this conversation, right? Um, Our fathers, immediately, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the only place that one ought to worship. So trying to, trying to smoke screen it with religious jargon right there. You ever seen that happen? Yeah. Then Jesus said there, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Uh, well, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. The, the Messiah was going to come to the Jews. So this was, this was, he was confirming that. But the hour is coming. It now is. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the, uh, that the Messiah is coming, who is, who is called the Christ, and when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Isn't that an amazing story? This is the first place where Jesus really discloses who he is in the gospel. He tells it to a Samaritan woman who's had several husbands and now is living with somebody is not. And yet he's speaking compassionately, even speaking to her. And it's just like, whoa. And, and he goes, I know that when the Messiah comes, he'll, he'll teach her that I, who you're speaking to, am he. I am the Messiah. That's pretty mind-blowing. The story goes on, I'll just paraphrase it, that his disciples came back and he saw them, saw him talking to this woman at the well. He says, man, what are you doing talking to her? He says, look up, lift up your eyes for the harvest is ripe. He said four months and the harvest is look at her, look around. And she went and she was so thrilled at this point that she ran and left her water pot there and says, come meet the man who told me everything that I've done. She had a living encounter with the Messiah and he didn't condemn her, but he implored her and he, he gave her uh, a hand for this living water. And that's the heart of the Lord right there to whoever would hear. This is what the Lord is looking for right here. I'm seeking those to worship who worship in spirit as well in truth. Not couched in religious jargon, not hidden in this thing, but a heartfelt relationship that I need a Savior. Lord, you are a kind Savior. You are good. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Amen.